Welcome to another episode of Gas It Out. You thought we were gone for good, but no, we're back. Unfortunately for you lot, we are here uh, with a, a really good guest this week for you. Um, Neil, six-time British Superbike champion, um, done the same path as you in that he's doing punditry now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he is actually because um, he hasn't officially retired or anything like that. I'm sure. I'm knowing Shaky probably still. Harbour's a hope of coming back, doesn't he? But Shane Byrne, shaky, as, as we all know him, top man and a top rider above anything else, isn't he? Bloody hell, a proper rider. And did it the hard way. Oh, did it himself, no money, scratching around on crap bikes, working for Fast Bikes magazine, you know, just trying to get noticed. But there's one thing that's always stood out with Shaky is he's always been fast. Yeah. Crashed his brains out, <laughs> like I said. Did, but, but never given, worked hard. And I tell you what, what a career. Just, just you saying that, I forgot he's six times British champion. You're like, wow. And you know, it's the span of it as well though, isn't it? From 2003 yeah. to like, you know, a couple of years ago. And it, it's like, still performing on all that time. And then in between those times, you know, there's been uh, bits in uh, MotoGP, he's done you know, stuff in World Superbikes. I'm sure you'll remember him coming up and doing the wildcard rides there. Right, he's also waiting in the waiting room. So what we might do is we're going to speak to Shaky first Brilliant. of all. So that's the exciting bit. And then afterwards, we'll have a little bit, yeah. bit of chat about that and a little bit of news update. How about that? How's that sound? Does that work for Let's you? Let's get him on. Let's get Shaky on. Well, I'm, I'm happy with that. You happy I'm with happy. that? I wasn't really asking you. I'm asking the people at home, well. to be honest. <laughs> I'd rather talk to Shaky than you, to be honest, Gav. <laughs> there right, he is. There he is. He's on mute. He's on mute. There he is. Have we got him? Am I here? Have you got me? Yes. You are here. You are, you are there. Right <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, uh, boys? How are you doing, Shaky? You all right? Good to see you. Looking yeah. well. I say that. Oh, I don't know about that. A little better, <laughs> look better than I feel, maybe. <laughs> Shaky, are you going to be all right talking to two absolute northerners? Uh, well, listen, just speak slowly so I can get to, get a gist right. of what you're on about. All right. Try and get a translator in. Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. I've got, I've got my phone here in case we need some Google Translate going on. <laughs> hey, <y'all. laughs> exactly. Well, then, I'll do. Um, so, <laughs> um, we can see you, obviously, because uh, we're on this Zoom call. There's going to be people listening in audio, but just to paint a picture of where you are, uh, it looks okay. like. Is that a front room or is that an office room? Because I'm just loving the look of all those helmets behind you. Uh, this is kind of our living room. Um, if I unplug that, just basically, hold on. So, yeah, the living room just kind of to goes to off and around there. Oh, there we are. Nice big picture on the wall as well. Very like nice. All looking very, yeah. very nice. All those to be honest with you, it's all, it's all Petra's doing. It's nothing to do with me. <laughs> if it was my way, if it was my way, there'd be nothing out at all. But uh, she loves it. There's like some um, some championship winning vests and stuff, and yeah, oh, superb. All sorts of shit nice. all over the place. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather it. <laughs> I'd rather it was not there at all. But hey, I'm, I'm cool. If she's happy, happy wife, happy life, right? The, if the boss is happy. So true. So <laughs> true. The employees will be all right. Um, Shaky, how are you anyway? How's it been through this whole um, lockdown and looks like maybe back into something similar uh, in the meantime? How have you dealt with all that? How's that been for you? To be honest with you, I think that uh, I think it can go 
it went one or two ways for most people, didn't it? You either went like a complete train crash and just ate and drank and, do you know what I mean, just turned into a mess or, you know, you kind of got your head down, roll with it. I looked at it, there was, it was basically free time with a family, um, you know, turbo trainers in the garage. So sat on that, done a little bit every day. That kind of kept me semi-sane. And then, uh, yeah, just spent a load of time with, with Petra and the kids and, you know what? We had some we had some incredible weather. I should have put that's not very professional, is it? My phone buzzing away, and it's Matt Roberts. Um, oh, uh, even oh, yes. I love the Norman. Perhaps he he was maybe coming on so that he could help me translate between you two and I. That's probably what it was. But um, yeah, no, I, we had some great weather and just kind of you know sat in the garden, played with the kids, and yeah, just kind of rolled with it. But um, I, I think uh, I think saying that I self-isolated is as such is, is maybe a bit strong but we, we were certainly more careful than most and just kind of kicked back at home and we have a little farm shop near us where we can get sort of meat and vegetables and I went there sort of once a week and then everything else was delivered to the house and we just sat in like hermits and uh and just chilled out. So are you good. still down in Kent? Is that where you're, you're still based down Yeah, there? yeah, still down here, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all right. The, the most difficult thing, we, we've, got, um, we've got a place in Spain and, and we, we went to go out, out there to stay out there because I said to Petra, look, you know, if, if this country's in lockdown and, and, you know, nobody can do nothing, we might as well at least be down there in the sun and, and you know what I mean, just chill out, even if the, even if the rules are the same. Um, but we never ended up getting out there and, haven't been since since February, so I'm, I'm busting my balls to get back out there. <laughs> I can imagine. Me too, actually. Uh, I've mm. missed it. You know, we haven't been abroad, have we, this year? And you want to go to the races for starters, but it's just that. Seems right. I tell you what, I thought you guys would be. I thought you'd actually be on site for you know for Mizano and, and some of the other races. So I was quite surprised to mm. to see you still up at the. It's the Triumph Factory, isn't it? You yeah, guys. Yeah, that's to... where we're at in Hinkley. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. just with all the rules and regulations, it was decided that we could probably do it better. From a studio, you know, right? Well, it's like, it, there's so much you can't do, so you're so limited with what you can actually yeah. do. There's been some people in the pit lane though, hasn't there? Like when you watch your your coverage, I've seen mm. like a few guys, like you know, when Potteraro's pulled in or whatever. There's been a couple of guys there talking on camera and stuff like that, and it, it's yeah, just it does look fun though, does it? It's one of them. We 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 look. You were looking at him. It's like imagine you you're there. You've got a mask on. It's red art. And actually, at yeah. one point, we we were told actually the presentation we'd have to wear masks. So you know you know it's you know mm. we were like actually. If we go out there, it's probably it's going to be much harder for everybody. Plus, actually, the show will potentially be worse for it yeah. uh, during yeah. these that difficult times. So it's a well, bit of a team team meeting about it. Honestly, do you know the way I look at it? You know, when you think about, um, you know, what England's like, right? We're a flipping nightmare as a nation, aren't we? And you know, we we'll get to like November. There'll be a, a snowflake on the road, and they'll shut the flipping motorways, and it will just turn into a drama, right? Well, when this whole lockdown thing started said to Petra, mark my words, give it three or four days, they'll realise it's a load of nonsense and we'll be we'll be back at it and it'll be fine. But then like maybe maybe two months in we got to that point where it was like, oh there might not be any racing full stop this year. And I was like, flipping hell, like <laughs> this is real. Um but now um it doesn't really matter, you know, for for us three. You know, as long as the racing's happening, then we've done something right, haven't we? And you know, we have to we have to be in little bubbles at work, and you know, we can't go out and socialise in the evening, which is which is really strange. And you know, obviously, there's no fans in at the races, which is really weird. But um, at the end of the day, racing's happening, and as long as racing's happening, I guess 
the three of us happy. Yeah, that, that's it for us. I think people at home as well, if you can get mm. your racing fix in some way, that keeps people happy, doesn't it? How, how are you, <laughs> by the way, um, shaky injury-wise now? How was your, your neck and everything now? Because, you know, I'm, I don't know, I haven't spoken to you in ages, so I was wondering how you were getting on. Well, you know, I'm, um, I'm hoping I'm not too far away um, from, from finding out full stop because, you know, I texted my surgeon just recently, actually, and I was like, look, yeah, we're, we're on first name terms because I nag him that much. I'm like, and <laughs> you do, you do realize I haven't actually seen you now for like 11 months or something. And, um, you know, when he used to say to me, oh, you just need some time. You just need some time. We need to see if you're going to heal up or, you know, we need to, you know, work out sort of risk versus reward in terms of more operations and stuff like that. When he used to say, you know, come back in a couple of months, I could kind of deal with that, especially if it was around summertime, because obviously we go away for a bit and, mm. you know, you have a little holiday or something. And then, you know, that couple of months passes and then you really look forward to the to the next hospital meeting. And I had um, I had lots of meetings where I kind of went there thinking, Neil, you know what it's like, right? When we when we hurt ourselves, we, we do absolutely everything we can, probably more than we ever should to to make sure that we come back as, as quick and, and strong as possible. And, you know, when a, not being disrespectful, but when a normal person hurts themselves, you know, they go see the doctor, they get signed off work, they sit indoors, mope about for a bit and think, well, I've got six weeks now for a broken finger now. And, you know, once that finger now heals, I can go back to work and I'll be, you know, I'll be signed back on or yeah, whatever. But, it but really we go hurt, like, shaky. It really hurts. Yeah, well, no, I get it. Listen, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be tough or nothing, but what I'm trying to say is, we end up doing like, you know, hyperbaric flipping chambers. We end up oh, laser filled therapy, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. everything we can do. Like, you know what I mean? We do. And there's been a few times when, when I've gone at it, like, literally full gas thinking right i'm going to go in there and when he sees me again he's going to be absolutely blown away because i've made so much effort you know with physio with absolutely everything and i've gone in there like ready for him to be like absolutely astounded at the results of my scans and whatever else only to be told oh actually yeah no, nothing's changed and 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 like when when you make that much effort oh, to, yeah. to to try to to try to be better and then you get there and actually what they say is oh no um now you need to wait six months. Like there, there were a couple of points throughout that recovery where, where I was just like, what else can I do? You know, I, I've done, mm. I've gone above and beyond to, uh, to try to be as, as well as I can, as quick as I can. And actually it, it isn't working. And it was a bit of a shocker because there's been a couple of times and maybe you'll appreciate this, Neil, where, you know, we're, we're so used to going in and being told, wow, you guys are you're so fit. That's why you recover so quickly and stuff like that. And there was one time when I went in, when he told me I had to come back in six months, where he said, you're not 25 anymore, Shane. And I was like, hold oh, on, hold on a minute. Kick. I might not be physically, the but in my head, I'm about five years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what, yeah. what, what's the damage though? What we're talking about? Is it your, spi your spinal cord? What's your vertebrae? Yeah. What, what's the issue? Well, so, so essentially, the the problem was that the bottom of my skull, like um, squashed and shattered, the the top two bones in my neck, and the top two bones in your neck are like the bones that basically are like an armor shield for your spinal cord. So the reason for having to wear that mobile phone mask thing was that if I'd have had a, a sort of knock on the head in any way, shape, or form, there was absolutely zero armor for for the cord itself, and. You know, it doesn't take a genius to work out what happens if you if you 
mm-hmm. give your spinal cord a bit of a whack. But what they're what they're trying to work out at the moment is whether or not the the metal work I have in my in my spine at the moment is impinging some signal, or if the damage to the spinal cord is that bad that basically you know my brain. Uh, and I've got a little one tells some parts of my body to to do things, and those parts of the body know that they need to do their thing, but the the signal between coming from there down to to wherever it needs to go to just keeps getting lost um so it's causing all sorts of problems and like you know stupid things like can't go to the toilet properly, can't do this, can't do that, and I think that um i've got a I've got a scan coming up on my on my skeletal part of my spine, if you know what I mean, to, to measure all the bone density and to see if, you know, any of those kind of fixations are, are sort of tweaking something. Um, and that's what's causing the problem. And then I've got an MRI that's hopefully going to look at the spinal cord itself and, you know, see if the, the damage there can, can be, you know, could be rectified, but, you know, when, when the doctors kind of say something along the lines of, oh, you know what, there's so much about the spinal cord and the nervous system that, you know, we as human beings just don't understand yet. It doesn't exactly inspire you with confidence to think, oh, right, okay, so does that mean I have a shit tomorrow or not? Because, you know, I could, you know it's been sort of two weeks now or 10 days, I could really do with a download, but um, they, they just don't seem to to have the answer at the moment, which is, which is a yeah, it's it's tough. I feel like well, it's a massive ways, worry, isn't it? What a worry that is. Because yeah. we just we become not bulletproof, but you're just used to smashing yourself up, getting yeah. it fixed, like you said, going yeah. doing everything you can personally back, and you're just like, doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. I can do this, but this yeah. is different, isn't it? What the hell? Well, this 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 for me, I think one of the one of the funniest ways I've found of describing it is like living life on a roundabout. But the problem is the roundabout at the moment has no exits. So sometimes I'll like I'll get onto this roundabout and I'll go into drift mode and I'll be like flat out round and round the roundabout, you know, elbow down, knee down, drifting, whatever you want to call it. But you know, looking for this for this exit to appear that's gonna say, right, okay, well, what we need to do now is we need to do this, or you know, this um scan has showed that. So if you take that exit, we can go that way. And if you take that exit, you know, we can go that way. But it's um it's really difficult when you know you just keep going round and round mm-hmm. and round thinking, right, I've done my bit, I'm gonna go there, they're gonna be amazed with my recovery, and you get told, no, actually don't come back for six months. But as it stands right now, it's um, it's just over 11 months since I last saw the surgeon. So you can imagine the last 11 months, you know, some days you feel like you're making a bit of progress and then you get shot back down again and realize that actually you've made absolutely no progress. And then, you know, the, the lap starts and, and away you go again. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's difficult. It, but it's the plan. And it's the plan, Shaky, to... I mean, have you retired? Are you still thinking, actually, if I can find this exit off this roundabout and they say that I'm going to be okay, I'm going to give it another year's, you know, one more BSB title? Or, or are you like, do you know what? Actually, the more I think about it, the more time <laughs> that goes by, I'm, I'm probably going to call it quits. I'll tell you what's really odd, uh, and that is that the, the sort of closer I'm getting to hopefully getting that exit, if you like, um, the more the more sensible I'm becoming. So, you know, the almost like the further away I've got from, from being a racer, the more, more rational I'm becoming, if you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, 
I'd love nothing more than to to get like the all clear for them to say, yeah, no, it's all right. We'll take the the metal work out, and yeah, if that's what you want to do, go and go and ride again. I'd love nothing more than to to come back from that accident, you know, one that that sort of essentially almost cost me my life, if you like, mm. and and win another race or two, and just be like, right now, now I'm happy. I've I've done my bit. I've proved my point. You know, all of that physio, all of that sort of you know all that stuff that I did to to try and get better clearly worked um I'd love just to be able to ride a motorbike to be honest I'd love to I'd love to be able to jump on my bicycle I've got some flipping cool bicycles but I don't go out on the road at the moment because okay. can you imagine mm. like can you imagine doing something like really stupid and just like slipping on some gravel on yeah. a road bike or something and falling yeah. down and then like you know when the doctor says oh you know it's kind of drilled into me how how fragile i was certainly in the beginning and you know when you when you find yourself worrying if you slip off the edge of a curb and you, you know your body kind of hits the it's the tarmac and you think oh and then you stand it like that for a minute and you think is it going to be all right is it going to be all right Do you know what i mean it's like that's that's how i've spent the last sort of 11 months so i can um, i can sit on a turbo trainer in the garage and even i can't crash one of them so you know i get to do my i get to do my little <laughs> bit of exercise but it's uh yeah it, it it keeps me sane, but keeps me keeps me moving as well, you know. But I just need to. I think I need to get to get to see the doctor, see see what the the latest news is. I mean, after eleven months, it, there can't not be news. Do you know what I mean? There has to be. There has to have been something yeah. that's happened. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be it'll be good news rather than bad, and and then it becomes my choice again because at the moment it just feels like well, it's in the surgeon's hands, and if they say go, then then we can, and if they say actually you're a train crash then you know we'll have to make a plan to to look to do something else properly you know well fingers crossed for you shaky definitely and on all that side of things i don't like the sound of you yeah absolutely more, you becoming more rational that sounds wrong to nah, me. well you know <laughs> do you know what, right? when you when you like people people see the outside don't they people don't see the the inside and actually in some ways the you know getting writing all that down and, and doing the book right in some ways that was like um you know you know they say sometimes when you've got oh look at that, <laughs> that <laughs> um, <book? laughs> yeah that one yeah when you when you do that hang on and you, hang on you're not gonna put one out as well are you no it didn't is it never is that a DVD? Cover? It didn't arrive. No, it didn't arrive. It didn't arrive. <laughs> That's my Hollywood so, blockbuster. <laughs> um, it, it must be. Do you know what? It's a flipping long way to Lancashire or wherever it is you're from. It's obviously, it's obviously on route. It's just not quite made it yet. Um, yeah, writing it all down actually, um, actually was good. And and I I did um, last week. I had to to do the the audio book version of it. And the weirdest thing was that there's a section in there about the time when I when I lost my dad, right? And I read it, and it made me cry again. It made me cry when I wrote it. It made me cry at the time, and it made me cry reading it. And it's sort of you know when I said I've become a bit more rational. When you when you have the chance to to, to write down some some stuff that's that's gone on in your life, and and I think about you know some of the stuff that's that's happened to me since this injury, and some of the like there was some some dark dark horrible times do you know what I mean but I think that that doing that and and writing about it actually made it all a little bit better do you know what I mean made me mm. realize that you know what that there were some some horrible nights there were some horrible days there was some horrible pain there was this there was that but 
right now I can't go to the toilet properly, but I can walk and talk and, and cruise about and, you know, feel, mm. feel relatively happy. And yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed fairly soon. They're going to say, well, do you know what? You want to go for a ride on a motorbike on the road, go for a ride on a motorbike on the road. Or if you want to go and do this, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to literally snap in half if you, if you trip over sort of thing. And I think that getting off those eggshells will be, be like a massive boost, you know? It's cathartic as well, isn't it? It must be so. It's almost like a therapy, isn't it? Being able to get that sort of stuff off your chest, I suppose. But mm. you have. I mean, it is. I'm pleased you got a book. I, I have to be honest, Shaky. I haven't started it yet, so I've got it sat here. Flipping out, Gav. Go. I thought you would have done your research. I thought well, you were the man I, you when know, it comes you would to expect, kind of You would expect that I would have done that, wouldn't you? But well, I won't. I won't, you know what it's like I won't mention any more about it, and then you can read it, and then you can just put this fantastic review online for me yeah, because right, you, yeah. you, being, you being you, that'll sell like another six million copies, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll be and then it'll be really good. But 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 I'm, I'm, hey, some... check it. I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting for the audio version. <laughs> 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 hey, I wouldn't because then you got to listen to me dribble on for God knows how long it took me to uh, to read the thing. It's not as straightforward, you know. Like when you sit there with something in your hand, and, like you read a book, and you think, yeah, you, know, you go through it, and you don't actually speak. And because you don't actually speak, you don't make any, you know, grammatical mistakes or, or whatever. You know, you just kind of get on and do it. Then you? you read what you see. Well, when you've got a, a producer yeah. in your ear, and she's like, oh, you didn't say that very well. Go back and do that bit again. And it was hard. You know how many pages we got left? And it's like every time I got going, I'd mess something up. It's like, no, again, again. How long again. does it take? So, how long yeah, has it taken to do to do that? It took me, I think it took three days in, in total. Um and yeah, that it wasn't it wasn't too bad. The first uh, the first sitting I did like ten chapters and then we kind of broke down the rest because I think there's like twenty there's twenty-six chapters and an epilogue and whatever else. So yeah, it was a shift. It was it was one of them things that you know when you so you know you'll know this all too well, Neil, right? You know when somebody says to you, in fact, you told me this. You said like as soon as you stop racing, like there'll be people that come to you and say, oh, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And you think, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Well, this was one of them, right? I thought, right, I've, I've kind of Matt and I have done the book. You know, I I spent a lot of time smashing a keyboard to pieces trying to to make it sound like me. So when the publisher said to me, oh, you know, do, do you want to do the um, the audio? But I was like, yeah, 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 I'll do that. How hard can that be? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you quit in the bank, job's a dream. And then uh, like sort of two days in or something, I thought, oh my God, what have you signed yourself so, up yeah. for? But it's the worst thing you've ever agreed to do. I said to Gab the other day, we were talking about, yeah, and I said you were doing your, you know, you were doing the audio recording. Mm. And I said, Gab, if I ever do a book, you can do it for me. You can read it out for me because Gab's got a great voice anyway. Yeah, exactly. It'll just sound better coming from Gab. Do you know what's so strange I'll, though, right? I'll, I'll tell you what's so strange is like, I, I asked the guy, I was like, um, yeah, I sat there and I read it and I tried to read it well and I tried to, you know, to, to lift it up and bring it down when, when you know, whatever mood was, was going on in the book or whatever. And I said to the guy at one point, I said, oh, can you do us a favour? And like, we, we weren't that far in. I said, can I, can I hear what it is you're going to send to the, to the, the publishers? And he says that um, when, when you do something like that, when we hear our own voices, there's some signal that goes from your jaw and it goes up into your ear and you don't actually, you don't actually hear yourself. You hear mm. what you think is your voice, but what actually comes out on, on recording or TV or whatever is, is something different. And he played this thing back and I was like, I don't know how many chapters in, but I thought, you know, sound terrible. <laughs> sound absolutely <laughs> terrible. And I've got like tw- God knows how much to do. So it wasn't. Uh, well, I, hopefully people are like it, but we'll see. There will be because undoubtedly there are tons of stories from 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 throughout your career. But 
Um, I know there'll be stuff from before your career, especially Neil mentioned it actually when we were before you actually came on. How uh, when you were sort of getting started in racing, it was Fast Bikes magazine. That's where sort of people knew you from. And there's all sorts of videos emerging now of times and the sort wow. of stuff you got up to back then. I bet mm. there's tons of stories about that in there. Isn't there? Oh, do you know what the irony of that is? I think one of the first times I actually met Neil and, and, and got to sort of hang out with him a little bit was at Knock Hill in 98. Do you remember when, you was, when you'd gone down somewhere over the back of the paddock to practice wheelies on your scooter? And yeah. I'd come from the fast bikes thing, and that was all I was interested in, really. I, I weren't really that fussed about racing at that point in time. I was just like, as long as I can wheelie the scooter better than anyone else. And I went off this little <laughs> secret location to practice, and who was down there it was Neil. And I was like, that's Neil Watson. This is cool. Do you know what I mean? We're going to do some wheelies together. So, uh, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, the fast bikes thing was great, you know, because, you know, I, uh, I, I sort of traveled as far as the end of the, of the, of the council estate before, um, you know, before fast bikes happened. And, uh, I remember so many, so many funny little things like getting this piece of paper sent to me saying, right, you need to get on this flight to this place called nice. Right. And I thought, that sounds lovely. That place. And not realizing <laughs> that nice was actually nice. nice and whatever <laughs> else. <laughs> it's like, it was unbelievable. Like I'd sort of jump in a car, like go to an airport that I didn't have a clue where it was. I'd have to sort of stop halfway up the motorway just to make sure I was going in the right direction by looking at a map in WH Smiths or whatever. Right, okay, it's got to be the place. And then, you know, I'd get to this nice place and uh, I'd be like, flipping hell, they don't even speak English here. Like, what am I supposed to do? How, how do I get to the next bit now? And there ain't no WH Smiths to look at the maps and stuff. So I was like, I was as green as they come. But um, yeah, what an adventure. Flipping hell, we had some fun. We had a lot of fun. I can imagine, imagine that. And God, um, I just oh, no, I was going to ask as well about other things that will be in the book actually, because I just want I want people to hear that it's oh, you know I want I want to, it to be a good bit of publicity for the book and that. But I'm thinking now. Do you know what I was thinking the other day was about KTM winning the first MotoGP race, right? Yeah, they wouldn't have done it without my help. Well, that's it, what it was I was going to say. But a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people will, will not remember or might not even know that you were there I've been first go around since 2005. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> that's when I mean that you'd obviously been there a little bit, and there was times of the Prilia and whatever. But for me, when you were on, you were thrown onto the Kenny Roberts KTM collaboration. It was a bizarre old time, that wasn't it? And you sort of forget now if you see where they are now winning. A couple of races. It's incredible. like I said, they'd be nowhere about me. That's that's <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, it's so strange because um, you know um, KTM are a great manufacturer, and and I think you know if if all of us, even you guys who who you know cover MotoGP and have done for the last God knows how many years, right? You know that championship. You know how competitive competitive it is. You know you know everything about it, right? And if somebody had said to you that, you know, one day KTM are going to be winning MotoGP races, you'd have been like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, they might do in, in Moto or MXGP or whatever, but, you know, this is like a, this is different gravy. This is, this is MotoGP and there's a lot of manufacturers with a lot of experience. But when, um, essentially what happened back in 2005 was um, they, they put a proposal to Kenny and said, we've got this this engine you know this guy from formula one's built this engine yeah it's going to be a weapon it's a it's a v4 it's going to make a load of power it's going to be dead linear the torque curve's going to be perfect you know we think with your chassis you know until we get some knowledge of our own we think this is going to be a fantastic collaboration and and you know let's let's get it done and you know, 2004, obviously, the Aprilia thing fell apart you know Piaggio brought them out and and that left me kind of high and dry but 
Carmelo and, and the Dorna people were like, look, you know, we really want you to stay in MotoGP. It'd be fantastic if you could stay. Um, we'll put together a great deal for you. You know, we're not sure what manufacturer it will be with, but, you know, you'll be on a decent bike in a, either a very good satellite team or a second rider in a factory team. And just, just please stay with us. So I was like, right, okay. And then, um, you know, long and the short of it was that, you know, this collaboration happened and, and you know, I was, I was signed by KTM to, to be the rider in Kenny's team. But, you know, when you, if you took two completely opposite ends of the scale and, and to put the Aprilia on one end, you know, the KTM was completely the other. Like, you know, the, the Aprilia just sort of felt like it wanted to kill you as soon as you sat on it. And, and, the, and the KTM, by contrast, was like, you might just well stick it on cruise control at 80 mile an hour and ride it up the motorway to, to, to Lancashire because it just didn't really feel like, it, you know, it felt so docile and so, so soft and so... Um, I don't know. Almost unassuming, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a, a race bike engine. There was no. There was no reward for wringing its neck, and there was no reward for for kind of riding talk and trying to be smooth on it. In fact, there weren't much reward. Full stop. Um, I think I scored one one GP point on the thing at Laguna Seca, and that was to beat James Ellison on a flipping WCM Yamaha R1, whatever it was. So um, when there was a when there was a big fallout. Um, between Kenny and uh, and KTM, you know, they were like, oh, we need to change the rider. It's the rider's problem. Um, the rider's not riding the bike properly. Our engine's fantastic. You know, it's the best engine that could be built, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Kenny was Kenny was super cool because he went to, or he came along to Mugello and he sat there and he said to, um, we were in this meeting and they were basically pointing the finger at me saying it's, it's shaky, he's not riding it. And he's like, I've been out on track. And he said, I won't do the accents. I'm crap at accents. Do but it, he was it, like, no, nah, he was like, you listen to me. He says, I've been out and I've watched Shaky. He says, I watch Shaky break where Valentino breaks. He said, I watch Shaky turn in where Valentino turns in. He said, I watch Shaky let off the break where Valentino lets off the break. And he said, no, I watch Shaky get on the gas where Valentino gets on the gas. He said, do you want to know the difference? Do you fucking want to know the difference? You know what Kenny's like? Yeah. He's like, when Valentino gets on the gas, the bike goes forwards. Do you know what happens when Shaggy gets on the gas? Nothing. <laughs> it's your engine. Do you know what I mean? And, and like just saw <laughs> them a new arsehole. And that was like one of the one of the proudest moments in my life because you've got a guy that came over and completely revolutionized GPs, you know, with his with his riding style and you know, he's renowned for kind of bringing over all the Americans with their, you know, with unbelievable amounts of talent and whatever else but for him to sort of stand there and fight my corner i was like yeah it's your engine it's not it's not me do you know what i mean it's like, cool. it's like all of a sudden i felt really empowered by kenny roberts it was fantastic yeah but I bloody hell what, what a man as you say but to work with i'd love to have been in a meeting with kenny roberts because i can imagine just what he's like he there was no holes barred whatsoever in any well yeah you imagine that and, and then the complete contrast of being in the meeting with like with the austrians you know who are who are so kind of straight laced yeah. and and so straight to the point you know if if their laptop said that black was white, you know, black was white. That, that was it. There was, there was no gray. There was no thing, you know, it said that and, and that, you know, they followed that to the book. So yeah, the, the contrast of the two with Kenny, like shut the fuck up, you know, this is, <laughs> this is what's going on. Um, it was, it was like, it was almost amusing to be sat in on it. Well, Kenny could get away with it. 
say because he was Kenny Roberts. So Kenny Roberts took no bullshit off anybody and and called no. called a spade a spade. It was like, no, this is what I think. Yeah. Where other people couldn't quite get away hey, with it, you know, if you talk hey, listen, to it wasn't KTM even this, like that, they'd have been like, "Who do you think you're speaking to?" Yeah, it weren't even. This is what I think. It was like, "This is what I know." Do you know what I mean? There was no, <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. no element of doubt in it. He was like, "Look, yeah. I'm telling you now, it's not shaky. It's it's the engine." Um, and 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 shortly after that, it all parted company. And, and I was what happened? I can't remember what happened. But well, they took. Do you remember? Yeah, um, say, the next GP the, was that, that in was... Uh, Bruno in the Czech Republic. And they ended up bringing their V5 motor um, and bolting it back in. But I was contracted at the time to KTM. So I couldn't ride the, the, the V5 of Kenny's. I had, to, I had to basically go on a dole for the weekend. Um, and, and that was it until, you know, it became apparent that Troy wouldn't be rushing back from, from the Camel Honda job. And then I got a couple of skids around on that. What was, what was that like, Shaky, getting on that Honda? <laughs> Do you know what the funniest thing was? One of the funniest things about getting on that bike was, do you remember back in like 2004 when they first introduced them pit lane limiters to the to the V5s and we'd sit in the garages. I mean, you you were riding for Denton, weren't you? And I was in the Aprilia garage and you'd hear like Sete or Valentino or any of the Honda guys come down pit lane, right? And they'd do this thing where they'd hold this button on it and just like, and it sounded so cool, right? I thought, I don't care if all I get to do is ride that bike to the end of pit lane, making that noise. I just want to ride this Honda, right? And um, I sat in the garage and I'm, and I'm ready to go. Like my helmet's on, levers on. It was Malaysia, you know, um, the the board was counting down and I'm thinking right any second now here we go this is it let's have a little go on a camel honda and see how we get on and um I remember nobody moving in the garage and then Alex Barros was my teammate and and he kind of got on his bike and rode off and you know the rest of the pit lane went off and that noise started happening with all the hondas riding past and I was thinking I can't wait I can't wait I can't wait I was getting so excited and um nothing happened still right and I'm like this is flipping weird this I don't know what they're playing at like I, I need to I need some time on this bike and I'm sort of sat there and I'm like looking around thinking you know any, any danger you can whip the tires off and uh, tire warmers off sorry and, and let's get going but um next thing I know like everyone's come around at the end of the first flying lap and Cito Pons comes over me and he says uh, he says shaky do you not want to ride the bike so I'm just waiting for him to get going he went you're in a motor GP team you tell them when you get going not not them tell you and I was like Get a fucking time warmers up there, let's go! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And just shot out a bit like ah. we went. So um yeah, I'd I'd been sitting there Hang thinking, on. well that Yeah, but what was it like, Shaky, what what was it like? Was it worth it? Oh mate, it was gold. Absolute gold. I loved it. Um the the first the first race, the, the GP <laughs> there in, in Malaysia was was hard, like really difficult because um, you can imagine, you know, they got this standing rider. The last thing they wanted to do was go away from, you know, where um, Alex had been or, or whatever. And, you know, the bike was so different to the to the KTM. And I was like, oh, you know, it needs, it needs to turn a bit better or it needs to do this and it needs to do that. And Honda were like, no, it doesn't. And I was like, <laughs> this is my big opportunity. Let me let, at least give me a fair flipping, you know, throw the dice or whatever. But I'll tell you who was the coolest person in the world that weekend was Mick Doohan, right? Because he he was in Malaysia and he came and spent so much time in my garage, right? And you can imagine, I'm like completely in awe of the guy. Like, it's, it's Mick Doohan and he's kind of come in to tell me, listen, he says, there's, uh, there's, there's European guys, there's Americans that get to spend two seasons on these things and don't figure it out. So don't be thinking because, you know, they won't make one change for you that 
they don't value your opinion. It's just the way Honda work and they do this and they do that. And I'm sitting there, yeah, right, I make no problem, mate. Whatever, whatever you say, you know, it was like, it was so, so, so surreal. But um, yeah, first GP was a disaster. I think I, I just beat Ruben Zaus, your old teammate, um, on the Fortuna Yamaha. And then the second one at Qatar went quite a lot better. I think I finished 12th or 13th or something. And Sito had already said to me, right, I want you on the bike for the rest of the year. And I thought, well, this is, this is my ticket, right? I've got like three or four more GPs. Let's, let's get amongst it. But um, you'll, you'll probably remember, do you remember when Chris Vermeulen was riding for Hansbury Honda in, yeah. in World Superbike? And there was a lot of talk about him coming yeah. to MotoGP on the Suzuki. And Suzuki, uh, sorry, Honda basically said to him, look, We'll give you the the camel ride at Phillip Island for the, your home most GP if you you know if you sort of do one more year for us and then we'll move you up when we're ready. So he took that ride. Sito called me and said, "Look, you know they're going to give Vermeulen the shot because they don't want him to sign for Suzuki." Uh, he did the wild card in MotoGP and then signed for Suzuki anyway. So then Sito was back on to me, right? Do you want to do the next GP? And I was like, "Yep, yeah, yep." Yeah. And then. Uh, I remember getting to Valencia actually, and Tito had said to me, "Right, come down to Valencia, come down to Valencia. I really wanted to ride it at Valencia." And I thought, Do "You know what? It's going to be in Europe. It's the last GP of the year. Do you know what I mean? If I, it's basically hospital or or rostrum. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going big." And um, I got there, and flipping Kianari was wandering around with a pair of my my Alpine style levers, and and because he'd done so well in BSB as a reward, they gave him the ride. So I drove the motor home all the way to. Um, Valencia and never ends up getting to ride the bike anyway. So, yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting that though that that's the reality. What people never see, what they what they see, shake and shaky burn and think, oh, he's had all the, loads of opportunities. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's probably been pretty easy for you, but that's the reality. That's what it was like, and you get lied to. It still is, isn't it? You know it, what I mean? Yeah. You just mean yeah. you you use it time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's bloody hard, isn't it? You know and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's very what, tough at times. The way I see it right now is that um, you know MotoGP uh, and, and that championship's in a in a really good place, right? Because you know if any of those guys hurt themselves, there's not there's not an abundance of of riders that could jump in and do the job that the MotoGP teams might expect to do that job, right? And it doesn't matter, you know, everybody will look at it and think, oh, you know, the bikes have got traction control, they got this, they got that, how hard can they be to ride, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is it's MotoGP, they're the best riders in the world and they get treated accordingly and looked after accordingly and, and so they should. But I think when you when you move down a level and you go to, to World Superbike, for instance, if, I don't know, let's, let's use a, any rider in World Superbike gets hurt, then it's quite easy to find a rider from a national championship that will go in and do a, a, a sensible job. I mean, not to, to knock anybody, but look at Hickman last year when he got the call up to ride the, the BMW at, um, at Donington Park, done like a, a really good job, you know, finished in the top 10 first time out. But I think that the riders at that level get that little bit less uh, well looked after because if something goes wrong, there's, there's another person that can jump on the bike. And then you get to national level and you might be able to do a fantastic job at national level and you might be able to win races but if you get hurt even if somebody can't do the job they'll they'll fire some money at the team and, and your job will be gone before you know it and you know everybody thinks oh you know the job's safe and you know you sign your contract for a year but a few bad results and 
you know, you can see, you know, pend pendulums swing very quickly. Look at Alvaro Batista last year with the with the Ducati team. You know, like for the first eleven races, he was like he was like God's gift and and the answer to Ducati's problems. He had two crashes and then a massive fallout, and then before you know it, you know, he's he's changed teams and changed manufacturer. So it's uh, it's a funny old sport, our sport, but I guess that's that's why we love it, isn't it? That's why we love yeah. it because it's so up and down, it's so unpredictable, and everything's unpredictable this year, whether it's whether it is GP, Superbike, British, British Championship as well. But going back to, to that British thing, your success spanning 15 years and six championships there. So of those, which, which do you look back on fondly? Or is it even one that you didn't win that you look back on more fondly? I don't know. What, where, where is it that you look back on with a bit of, ah, oh, do you know what? That, that was when I was on my game or something like that. What, what, do you know what? Do you know what, honestly? I would swap 15 British Superbike Championships for one of the ones you've got. I, I wanted to be World Superbike Champion. That that was my dream. Um, when I won in 2003 for Birdie, I wanted to to step up and go to the you know the factory team in in World Superbike and and try and win there because you know if if life's a journey, my my journey was you know my my sat nav was set to to being a world champion. That was all I was interested in. I wanted to. I wanted to come from nothing and and turn myself into a world champion and and it never quite happened. So I sometimes look back and think, well, you won six BSB titles, that's fantastic. But I never wanted to be a BSB champion. I wanted to be a world champion. So it doesn't matter if I win twenty BSB titles. They don't they don't add up. You can't part Exxon for a world title. Do you know what I mean? So um, and and that's the that's the one thing about my career that I find I find really hard to accept because. I feel like um, I feel like with the right right opportunity, um, you know, it could have been possible, but the right opportunity never came along, and that's like the whole thing we were talking about a minute ago with you know the way our sport is. Mm -hmm. That that's that's the nature of the beast, you know. Sometimes you need that you need that lucky ticket, and you know, it might not even look like it was that lucky ticket at the time, but you know, circumstances come together. And look at the look at the nine 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 R thing that you won your title on. It wasn't it wasn't the the bike necessarily to be on. You had Frankie Keeley who kind of went back to a nine nine eight halfway through the year because just couldn't make that nine 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 R work. And then as soon as the ten ninety eight came out, that was like the golden ticket because the thing was phenomenal. And if you'd have had that the year before, you would have absolutely cleared off and destroyed everybody. But that's that's what I wanted yeah. to jump on. I wanted to be I tried to time it that I'd get on something that was going to be the thing to get on, but obviously wasn't intelligent enough to make that happen. Well, <laughs> no, jumped, but look, that, jumped on stuff it? when it was a bit late. <laughs> it isn't that, though, yeah, is but it? Because we, we've seen it. We see it time and again with people. Mm. Some people are in the right place, right time. Some people aren't. And mm. it's this, we, how many times have we... I've already said it here once, this sliding doors, that moment where just things, just as the way certain things happen sometimes in, in our sport, isn't it? I think in all sports, yeah. really. And, and, and you potentially get an opportunity when you're not quite ready for it, and that maybe was the golden opportunity, but you didn't realise at the time because you were still developing. It happened to me earlier on in my career. I got a couple of opportunities, and I look back over my career and think, maybe I could have had a much better career if I'd have made the most of those, but I couldn't because I wasn't a fully developed ready rider to win world championship races you know and you didn't get the opportunity shake in 2003 when uh, you beat me at brands arch obviously i we well i didn't race with you that weekend because she absolutely destroyed me but that next year if you'd have got the factory ducati world superbike 
right, you'd have battled for the world championship. If not won it, you'd have battled. You know what I mean? It's yeah. if you'd have won it, I don't know, but you'd have yeah. you would have battled for the world title, and then your career would have taken a different path, wouldn't it? But yeah, and and do you it, know what the, the, the one was. The one mistake I think I did make was, you know, when I was kind of, you were talking earlier on about MotoGP saying, oh, you know, we need you to stay in, in the championship, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when when Dorna is showing you love, it's not like you just say, no, that's all right, I've got another date, do you know what I mean? But um, at that point in time, at the end of 2004, there were some mega opportunities for me in World Superbike. Like, almost, not the pick of the field, if you like, but that's that's perhaps the, the one mistake that I look back on in my career and think, should I have hung around for the, the MotoGP thing or, or should I have sort of followed my superbike heart and gone and tried to win a world superbike title then? Um, you know, would we, would we be, you know, discussing the same career if I'd have done that then? But, you know, it's like anything, hindsight's a, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And, mm. and for the last 20 odd years, I've been paid to do the job that I dreamt of doing from as young as I can remember being. Um, so it's not it's not really been all bad, you know. Hey, Gav, Gav, <laughs> do, do, do you know what's interesting, Gav? Though, and you know this anyway, because you spent your life around the paddock. But you get someone like Shaky, whose career you look at, and it's absolutely amazing. But he's an out and out winner, and all he can focus on is, it, you know, what he wanted to achieve. But mm. like, think how many people would would cut the right arm off to win one BSB title. Oh, yeah, no. I know, but you, you know compete, what I mean. It's like, yeah. Compete in one oh, compete. race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point. Comp yeah, actually qualify so you could compete in one race and score points in one BSP race, and you've won yeah. six titles, and you go, yeah, it's all right, but but, but, but that's why, but that's why you successful but that's why you've been successful but oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 because it's never good enough it's, it's like drive. no it's dry yeah. isn't it? dry it's that, it's that, yeah. that full uh, sportsman's competitive attitude and that's why that's come on you're making me blush now let's move on let's talk about <laughs> something else <laughs> go on then, go i've got on a then. coffee here that's going cold as well <laughs> have a suck on that and what about then because now you're a pundit uh, a lot of the time, you're doing a lot of stuff talking about BSB and World Superbike. Where where is it all at now at the moment? Because MotoGP, we'll, we'll see it has gone. You know, no one even knew if we we're going to be racing. Yet not only are we racing, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty wild out there. World Superbike is, you know, on any given day, you feel like anyone can win. Johnny seems to come out on top more than anything. In BSB, it is like chuck everything at the table, and <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. Do you know what I see? I see um, I see a kind of parallel in some ways because for me, with Mark not being there at the moment in MotoGP, it's like everybody's actually believed they can be MotoGP world champion and they're all like going at it like balls in China shops to try and make that happen. And in World Superbike, for the first time, you've got somebody kind of semi-consistently taking it to, to Johnny. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to, to anybody in the championship, but, you know, I think World Superbike lined up this big Scott Redding, um, Jonathan Ray showdown. And certainly until the last couple of rounds, it looked like they'd, they'd kind of fallen on their feet because, you know, one one weekend Scott would be leading the championship and the next weekend Johnny had it back. And, you know, the, the problem I see is that um, beating Jonathan Ray over over a race or maybe even over a race weekend is one thing, but, but beating him to a championship is like, is it something completely different? And moving, moving sort of down or across or whatever you want to call it to, to BSB now, 
you know there's no showdown so there's no um there's no oh you know we just need some podium credits and then we'll start pushing on at um you know whatever point in the championship round nine or whatever they've got they've got six uh, this is where it gets confusing they've got six rounds to go out 18 rounds to to because they call it in the rounds the races they're calling rounds at the moment for some reason so they've got six events to to go at 18 rounds which are, are going to be i don't know if i've turned up and won an eight uh, won a bsb round but yeah they've got they've got this this time to to basically um you know try to become british superbike champion and all of a sudden the guys that that might have played the long game in the beginning and thought well you know as long as you score a few podiums we'll have some podium credits or points whatever they're called at the end of the the nine race nine rounds and then we can go again are just like well do you know what we've got we've got these six events we're going to turn up at there's 18 races and whoever wins the most of them is going to be champion and you know i think it, you know it's, it's happened the whole way through through motorcycle racing like it's been condensed um and and everybody just wants to treat every corner like it's the last corner of a world championship event and and, and they're all trying to win everything aren't they and, and the racing for it has just been absolutely astounding yeah i reckon they should fire mark marquez off for a while and just condense every championship right down and we'll have a brilliant championship forevermore in all three yeah, classes i was saying that i said donna should have clubbed together somehow with some sponsorship and pay pay marquez out just say, listen, <laughs> we know you're getting up to 20 million for riding, but here's 30 million. Will you just please sit on a beach do, for another do, year? Do you reckon you on? could sort that out with Stuart Higgs and Jonathan Palmer for me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, just, I'll just take the back seat for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about BSB though, shaking like you were then, who's your money on? Because I've watched every round. I've got to say, I love, I'm obsessed with BSB. All the classes as well, because it's chaos, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But who on earth's your money on? Because I wouldn't have a clue where to go with that one. Do you know what I think the best thing about BSB is at the moment? I think that the best thing about it is that that nobody knows. Um, you know, we we genuinely, you know, um, you know, in the past there's been look back to your doing days or your Rossi days or, or when Lorenzo was on form or even Mark a few years ago. You know, there's been seasons where you kind of turn up and it's almost. A foregone conclusion is a little bit, a little bit strong, but you, you know, you pretty much know that that bike's so good and he's so good on it that he's going to do that job or whatever. And mm. you know, everybody else is is basically trying to to keep up. Well, you know, two weekend, two weekends ago, we had Taz McKenzie win a race at, at Silverstone and looked like his season had turned around. And then he went to Alton Park and, and and had a really difficult round. But then his teammate won a race. And I said, actually, on the Saturday that if Jason could back that one race win up with a win on Sunday as well, it could well set him up for a good run at the championship because Jason's probably one of the most unlucky riders in, in racing full stop. You know, if he, if he falls off, it's always more than a fingernail. Do you know what I mean? It's never, it's never just a little kind of slip or whatever. He generally kind of hurts himself, but he did go and win that race um, on Sunday morning and then was right in the running in the, in the final round as well. But, after this, we go to um, to Donington Park, and he had a really strong Donington Park, and then we go to Brands Hatch, where the Yamaha traditionally has worked really well as well. So, the championship went from being kind of you know with Glen Irwin thirty odd points in the lead, and now there's like four riders covered by twelve points with a hundred and God knows how many one hundred and fifty odd points up for grabs. So it is literally wide open. Um, yeah. If you ask me, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have said Josh because. You know, Josh was riding on the same team, on the same bike, mm. albeit a slightly improved version of that bike. And he knows his, 
knows his guys, knows what he needs from the bike, you know, knows everything. Why, why wouldn't you go with Josh? But, um, you know, they got, they've got, all of them have new tires in BSB, which is quite a lot different. You know, the, the compound, the construction, the size of the tire, everything's different. And it seems to me like everybody who knew how well their bike could work last year, can't make it work this year with, you know, those settings. So they go away to, to try and make the tire work and then go look at a lap timer and see that the lap time's slower and think the thing's crap because of it, but <clears throat> don't actually realize that if that's the lap time that's going to win the race, it doesn't matter what the lap time is. As long as it wins the race, you know, if that's the best feeling you're going to get, then that's what you've got to run with. But mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of riders that are turning too much into engineers and, and trying to sort of reinvent the wheel because they've got a new tire in when actually all you need to do is get to the checkered flag first and, let your sensations and your feelings um, dictate the way that the bike setup goes rather than trying to, you know, create a, whatever it is they're trying to create to, to make it work. Yeah. That's a long, that's a long way of saying, I've no idea who's going to win. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, yeah, it is. Um, I went off on a bit of a tangent, but then I do yeah, love no. a waffle me. So um, but that's what it is, though, isn't it? And and I think it was funny when you talk about it there. How many different winners is it in BSB? Is it nine, ten? Uh, like I think we're at eight at the moment. Eight, um, okay. eight or nine, yeah. Um, but I I think the what can you put it? I think the potential for that to be the case every season is there. Mm. Um, but it's like Neil said, you know, sometimes things come together and sometimes they don't. Um, Generally speaking, when it's a showdown, it ends up being a battle between two people. But right now, it's a battle between four. And, you know, let's see what happens in two, whatever we're going to call them, events or rounds or (laughs) whatever they're called nowadays, time, and see who comes out on top. But um, I think that, you know, all of us in in every championship and in life in general just need to to get through what is a, a really kind of strange time at the moment, an awkward time. Um, and yeah, just kind of see what happens post-COVID, if you like, and, and get back to normal and look forward to, to, to more of the same, you know? Yeah, I think it's a case of making the most of what we can while we, while we can. Really, mm. it's a bonus. Shaky, what are your thoughts moving forward, life after racing, let's say? Let's say you're going to call it quits. I know you do a bit of management already. Obviously, you do your TV work, which you're really good at. Um, would you run a team or anything like that that you're, you're interested in, academies, or are you happy to do what you, you're sort of doing? Do you know what? Honestly, at the moment, I, I've not detached myself enough from still wanting to be a rider to, mm. to entertain the thought of doing anything other than, than being a rider. This, um, this opportunity with, with the TV thing and doing the management thing has been basically. I'm just trying to be you. That's that's the long and the short. <laughs> I mean, this. <laughs> you don't want to be me. I'm still looking up to you. Shake it. You need. You I still need want help. your world championship, right? I still need. Hey, listen. Listen. I could. I could never wheelie a bike like you, though, Shake it. I always wanted to be you. So let's, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I I think that uh, I think that once we get um, once we get a better idea of where I'm at health wise, then then the call will have to be made. But I do kind of want to pursue something with the same sort of vigor, if you like, that I tried to pursue, you know, during my career. Um, but I just don't know what that is. You know, doing the doing the management things, cool. You know, having a having a you know potentially a way of of bringing along uh, a young British rider and, and turning them into the next MotoGP guy would be would be fantastic 
being a team boss, I'm not so sure that would be a bit of me. Um, I think that would be a lot. You know, when we were talking earlier on about people not realising what goes in behind the scenes, I think that might yeah. be a little bit too too much like hard work. Um, but yeah, the TV thing's really fun. Um, so I guess I guess we wait and see what happens from from the surgeons, and then you know make a call one way or the other, and and sort of yeah go from there. Um, it, it's so hard to 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 even entertain the thought that that my racing career might be over that I tend to avoid these these kind of questions or these kind of thoughts because I just yeah. don't want it to be over. Yeah, I rocked up two weeks before that crash and, and won my race or, or won a race and was ready to win another championship or five or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't, I'm, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready to stop then and I'm not ready to stop now. It's just that, mm. you know, maybe the part of me that's not ready to stop is, is my head or my heart, but it doesn't quite understand at the moment that the rest of the rest of me is, is perhaps not up to the level that, that it, it's desire is at. You know what I mean? So it's a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. I hope, I hope you get what you want, Shake. I hope it all sorts, it, sorts itself out. And I hope, I mean, since not seen the surgeon for 11 months, there's some good news around the corner. I've got, I've well, got a sneaky not feeling be, it will be. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, they can't, can't not be. be. No, 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 no more negative news. No, it, uh, it can't, you can't spend that much time like trying to be careful and doing the right thing and eating the right things and trying to be the, the sort of best version of you that you can possibly be and there not be a change, you know, whether or not it's enough of a change that's going to sort of dictate that, that I can do this or I can do that is, is a completely different matter. But at the end of the day, there has to be some sort of change. And if that's some sort of change is that, you know, yes, you can do this, but no, you can't do that. Well, at least then I might not flipping worry about every single sensation I have or, you know, every little problem I might have or whatever and think, oh, no, this is it. I ended up going to, to hospital the other week because I've been having loads of problems with my with my stomach and my and my bowels and stuff, right? And uh, I, I I hadn't convinced myself something sinister was going on, but I was I was more than a little bit worried. But you know when you kind of go in and you're getting this scan done and they're like looking around and then they go all quiet. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, please tell me no, please tell me everything's all right. And it was just a case of like, well, you know, I'm just the guy that does the scans and stuff. So I don't really, you know, I can't quantifiably look at, at what I'm seeing and tell you that it's good or bad or indifferent, but it doesn't appear to be anything really bad. And, you know, just being told after, after feeling like new pains every now and again, like being told it's not what you probably dream. It's, you know, not the, the, the worst thing that it could be. It wasn't. Um, yeah. And that was really nice. So, you know, I think that, just to to see the surgeon and him to say, well, you know what, this is that, but it's not that. You know, even yeah. even that would be nice. Just some direction, you know. Maybe maybe start a, a little slip road off the roundabout for me, even if it don't go nowhere. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just get off that bloody roundabout. Machine out, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. You get you're getting dizzy. Gav's had a very similar problems, and he, he had a scan sort of down there. There were some issues, and then they they, they found out that he does have an ingrowing penis. So at least really? at the I, end, I was waiting for you to say he was pregnant or something. We knew. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> Sorry, I'm like the mood. Go bought and paid for. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right, Shaky. Well, we better let you crack on and uh, no continue problem. with the rest of your day. It's been cracking to talk to you. Actually, really enjoyed that. And, uh, Listen, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate. I really appreciate the opportunity. I uh, I spoke and to Charlie just real briefly. I spoke to Charlie Hiscott the weekend and. Uh, 
I said to him, oh, I said, I'm going on Neil and Gab's um, podcast thing. And he's like, oh, it's doing really well. You'll have a great time. You know, they're great boys. Oh. You're going to get on really well. It's going to be fantastic. And, you know, for Charlie to get excited about anything, must be good, do you know what I mean? So, uh, hey, how yeah. cool's cool Charlie, though? <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We, love, we all love Charlie, don't we? He's, he's yeah. like one of the legends in the paddock. He really is super Charlie. You can't, you can't not. So, uh, no, he was right. I've really enjoyed it. Did they add extra, extra blue in your eyes on the... Uh... <laughs> no, he has got... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I reckon they touched extra. them up a little bit. I've got, one of, them, I've got one of them like gay light things behind me so that I look like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Nicer it, than just dark. I'll I'll take, it, <laughs> shake it. Do I text you my address or do I take it, text it to Matt, Matt's Robert? Matt, Matt's <laughs> send, it, send it over. Send it over. But you've got to give it... You got, I'll tell you what you got to do, right? If I send you a book, you've got to like... You know, right in the middle of interviewing, flipping Alberto Puig, which is going to be boring anyway. You can just tell him about just my book up. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> say that, yeah, Alberto, have you read this? Do you know, so how good this book is. Let's see what he says I'll about do that. It. I'll Next do time it. You're speaking tell me, what, tell me, won't get arm pump reading it either. <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. Top great, to, great to speak to you. You take care of yourself, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Hopefully, in a race truck at some point. Sounds good to me. So. Yeah, thanks so much, Shaky. No worries. Take yeah, care, mate. Appreciate Take it. care, boys. Bye See bye. you later. Cheers. Bye bye. Oh, we're always buzzing, aren't we? After a conversation like that, it's how can you not be happy? Well, I know obviously there's some negative parts of that conversation and, yeah. and shit that he's going through. But, oh my God. I mean, but, you, don't, hey. you don't think how, how something like it, where he's talking about and what an accident happened two years ago or whatever, 18 months, however long it is, you know, a long, long time ago. And still, still he's got the drive for starters. Oh, God. You can, Gav, Gav, can you tell why he's, he's been successful? Yeah, exactly. It, it, just a machine, honestly, just a, a winning machine, you know, in, in, in everything he did, but it's that attitude, isn't it? Like you see, you talk to him like that and he's, you think, yeah, yeah, I can tell why you're good. You and know? that's why you, feel, it, you does, feel a bit more for him, don't you, in a way, in that, one, he feels like one. He feels clearly that um, his ambition or his dreams got taken away from him in a couple of ways. Whether it be one through injuries and being able to continue racing or whatever, but also at times making choices which you know not necessarily all his choices here and there along the way. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I was but fascinated. What, by what happens? And we, obviously, we've talked about stuff like this before. In hindsight, when you look back, it's easy. Because you go, I shouldn't really think that right then. But at the time, you took it because of all the, all the information you had, for example. And at that time, you know, it, it was when he talked about um, Dorna, it was being courted by Dorna and they were going to look yeah, after they, him in MotoGP. They did because they needed Brits in MotoGP. Exactly. He was, yeah. the, he was the top of the Brits, actually. He was Absolutely. The, at the time, it was like, right, well. Yeah. So, of course, he thought, actually, no, I mean, I've got a golden opportunity and don't waste this opportunity, which was the right thing. But then that meant it to, Pass up on some great world superbike opportunities, which if he had have taken, he probably yeah. would have won a title. Well, that's it, and I think you're right in that. The, the way you have to look at those sort of situations, I think you're absolutely right. Is of the, the information I had at the time, I made this decision for this reason, mm. you, and you, you can say I possibly should have made another decision. I possibly should have done this, or I possibly um, should have made this choice. But at that time, I made my best decision. Yeah, and it's like looking back at your life relationship wise not getting deep here um but like every, every 
<laughs> oh no, Neil, don't mention that. No, no, but like everyone would look back at their life and think, you know, like if you're if you're in your mid forties like me, think of all the relationships you've had. At the time, it seemed like a good idea, but it wasn't the right thing to do. You know, in hindsight, you'd be like, oh, I wasted five years of my life there, or two years there, or whatever. You know, and that's what your racing career is the same, really. But in fact, it's nothing like a relationship. There's nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you're still a virgin. Um, so well, <laughs> I'm waiting for the right girl to come along. So we mentioned a lot about... Oh, you. Speed. Sorry. Was that a confession, Gav? <laughs> <laughs> so so he, he mentioned a bit about BSB. We're up to speed on, on where we are with that. Uh, Superbikes, um, last time we saw Chaz Davis uh, was up there being successful. Michael van der Mark was impressed by him. But Johnny Ray overall... Taking, taking charge, isn't he, there, over in World Superbike? Yeah, critical point in the season, sort of three quarters of the way through the, obviously, the shortened season, and Johnny Ray doing what Johnny Ray does. You know, I'm having a tough weekend, it's not quite working for him, but he scores the big, uh, still decent points, but also he's in front of his main opponent, which is Scott yeah. Redding, and, and now that gap's growing, and it's just like, you know, they're going to Magni Corps next, uh, it's always cold there, mixed weather, and if it is mixed weather, Johnny's amazing in it. You know, I've seen him win races around there in the wet. I've seen him win races in the dry. You know, it's like, yeah, your money's on Johnny, isn't it? Yeah. And, in, and in MotoGP, Neil, um, six different winners in seven races. Seven races still to go. Top four separated by four points. Dobby's just had a seventh and eighth or whatever, and he's still in the championship. What? What's going on? Oh, God, what is going on? It's just bloody amazing, isn't it? I've mess. never known. In some ways, it's a mess, isn't it? It's a good mess, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because every weekend, like, obviously, we, this weekend, it's Barcelona, Catalonia, which is there's always great racing around there. I have not got a clue. Me and my mate Dickie, who I've not mentioned for a while, we always have a £20 bet, and it's not who's going to win, but it's who's going to beat who, you know? And yeah. last weekend he went for uh, Valentino, which was, uh, I said, I said, you're just doing that. That's your heart's betting this one. But um, I, I, saw him, I saw him earlier and I went, who are you going for this weekend? And we've decided that we're not going to bet until after FP1. Because we haven't got a clue. Because you just don't know. You don't you know if KTMs are going to work. You don't know if Alex Marquez might find more form who <laughs> beat Dovey in the last race. Yes, you heard that right. It's just—it's the most bizarre season. It's like no it? one wants to take a hold of it. It's—that's what's confusing me. But how... but they all want to take a hold of it. But it's that close, and it's such a golden opportunity for all these people to, to talk about shaky talking about you know your life goal is to try and win a world title. Well, that's what we're, we're talking about mm -hmm. now. But this is more to GP, so and what... it's. It's there for the taking. What does it say then about Mark being away? You, you know, you, you, you're joking about, oh, let's keep, pay to keep Mark away. But, you know, I, I get the feeling that we've actually been seeing this the last few years. Like, you know, last year, Mark was first or second in every single race. Yeah. And the others were, the problem was, no one was consistently putting it up to him. You know, no, it was, no. One week it might have been Dobby. One, next week it might have been Quattararo. Maverick but, might have done it somewhere here. And and it's that and that just shows actually where he's the different level, doesn't he? Yeah, he is. But we've said that, haven't we? Gav, yeah. how many times have we said it? And how many times have we been criticised for it? Oh, you bloody, you love Marquez and all that lot. Actually, we don't love him at all. 
we'd rather him not be racing, really. You know what I mean? So it's more entertaining. In, but, in a way, but, yeah, yeah. In a way, in a way. Marquez is that good, yeah. But the problem, you've got the same problem in World Superbikes. They need to get rid of Johnny Ray, don't they? If Johnny Ray wasn't in the World Superbike Championship, wow, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be wide open, wouldn't it? But Johnny is better than everybody over a season, by miles, really. Mm. And not on the best bike. So, so, so you still happy with your prediction you made last time out about um, Fabio Quartararo over Dovi? Yes, but but it's closer now. I thought Quartararo. We I made that prediction. Well, you know, we did that bet before the two Mizano rounds, and I thought Quartararo is going to win both of them, and he's going he's going to grab hold of this championship and be the dominant force going forward. Instead, he looked a bit flaky. So, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All oh, right. Oh, sorry. I just had a beep in my ears. I think it's my... Uh, We're uh, out of battery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, and, then, and then we go to a circuit like Barcelona. The thing is, Barcelona, so people... I mean, it's a great track, and we expect... I don't know, all sorts of bikes can work there. The Ducati mm. can work. You've got a lovely long straight that will work. And the Yamaha actually has parts of the track. You know, there's been years where Yamaha dominated. Recently, Yamaha have had struggles there also. You know, mm. I remember a couple of years ago, was it where Maverick and Valentino dropped right back? But that was with hot conditions, with lack of grip. Mm. Well, we're going there in September, and I, I know September could be quite, it could be cooler. It's probably going to be yeah. about 20 degrees, 20 to 25. It's not going to be, it's going to be a bit like Mizano in terms of temperature. So does then that bring it down? Does that bring Yamaha in? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it just, it just, it, it's going to be a leveler. It's going to be a leveler. The Suzuki's going to go well. Mia's on fire. Like, if I was to bet now, and that's the beauty of this season, I'd put my money on Mia for the championship, which is bizarre because he did his first Grand Prix in 2016. You know, he's not, he's not had a long Grand Prix career. He's a young, young lad, you know. It's, but, but, he's, but, 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 I will say, if you spoke to any of us at the beginning of the year, I remember we did a press day at BT, and I remember we were all being asked about, you know, who's your favourite? And we were all said Mark Marquez. Because we're not stupid, because you would say Mark Marquez. Yeah. But then everyone would ask, <clears throat> who, who, and I think most of us said Suzuki in some way. Most of us suggested that Suzuki of really. Yeah, good all round bike. And actually, mm. I know I said Mir, and I'm pretty sure you did, because I know we've had yeah. similar conversations mm. with people in the know in the paddock and, and, and what we feel, felt about Mir for a while. But the fact that it's actually come back round to where those sorts of predictions are. Are there or thereabouts, but yeah, in that I wouldn't be confident about it. No, 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 there's none you'd be confident about. I mean, Mia started the season with in the first three races, he had two DNFs, yeah, and, one of his and, own doing, which is the first yeah. one, the second one taken out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but you, you know what I mean. I said, and, and now I'm sat here going, My money's on Mia, it's just a bizarre. Well, he has, he's got had the run of results, hasn't he? Now, but, yeah, uh, yeah, it's gonna be all I know is I can't wait for this weekend. Um, and we'd have to wait long for it now. But I haven't yeah, got a clue who's going to win. Like, Shaky ain't got a clue who's going to win BSB. We know who's going to win World Superbikes, but I haven't got a bloody clue who's going to win MotoGP, which, like I say, is amazing. I sort of love and it. It's all, and we've got seven races still to go, and it's going to go down yeah. to Porto Hell. It's Hope so. <laughs> we hope so. Right, uh, that's uh, where we're at, pretty much. Um, Valentino Rossi's going to sign this weekend in Barcelona. The world is round, and... Uh, goes around the sun, so I'm told. So apparently it's all normal, <laughs> honestly, uh, despite the fact that it doesn't look like it in MotoGP at the moment and uh, coronavirus is what it is. Uh, right, Neil, thank you uh, so much. Thanks, Gav. 
Um, Thank you very sorry, much. Was, gonna have my there, was some, there was some technical dropouts of yours during Shaky, so it, just, it got a little bit flaky. So apologies for that. It is yeah, I, yeah, I kept I lost you a few times, but um, you, 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 you were saying beforehand your Wi-Fi was. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with it. It's yeah, it's seized. We need to get you a fibre cable put in there. Yeah. Do you know well, any? Do you know any companies that that do broadband? Do you know? Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. Right. Well. Maybe do some investigation. <laughs> uh, right, so, well, I will see you uh, at Triumph and I will... Um, yeah, see you in two days' time. Speak to everyone else uh, very soon indeed. Thank you so much for following. Right. Oh, we, do you know what we just need to do? Oh, yeah, the giveaway T-shirts. The giveaway of the T-shirts um, in there. So uh, why don't you sing a song in the meantime while I just... Uh, thank you, by the way, for everyone who, who retweeted the uh, five in five. Really appreciate it. Saw lots of uh, people retweeting it, which is all positive getting loads of good feedback so if you could keep doing that and we'll do another competition and this time can we do um if you do a hashtag shake his new book maybe all right unshakable yeah hashtag, so hashtag, unshakable. hashtag unshakable and then you got, um, you got some shaky giveaway stuff yeah we'll give a shaky book away how's that shake will give us one to give away i know it will oh yeah it would do yeah it yeah will. it will do uh right. that's if he sends me one <laughs> Right, Actually, so, I'm not even joking when I said I'm, I'm going to listen to the audio for when, when we're traveling and all that lot. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, definitely. I know we're not traveling this year, but I love that. I'm going, to, I'm going to save that up for when we're traveling. We sat on planes and it's boring. I feel bad. I feel bad that because I have I haven't got it here and I wanted to read it before speaking to Shaky. You said you weren't going to read it because you don't like the guy who wrote the book. You said he's an absolute prick. What? Shane, Shane Byrne. No. <laughs> Gav's, Gav's best mate wrote it, Matt Roberts. So. Um, so, uh, JD at Highside John is what I just flicked, went through. Yeah. Highside John, I hope you haven't had a Highside, as he's got a lovely picture of uh, him wheeling on there. So, uh, JD, get in touch with me on Twitter, all right? And uh, we'll send you out some Triumph goodies. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Hashtag Unshakeable. Read to eat this one. Yeah. Quite enjoy that as well. Yeah. Right. See you later. Speak to you soon. See you in two days. I love you, ma'am. Bye. Bye.